All right, everybody, Sunday Gold's here, and Aria Masudi, Brett Nevitt joining you once again to talk some Florida State baseball. The Seminoles are now 21-15 and 15 after uh, a win last night against the Stetson Hatters, a, a very good Stetson team that has had a nice year um, under Coach Shrimper. And, um, yeah, the Noles needed that win. We'll, we'll break that down a little bit more uh, in depth in this episode, but I believe since, you know, Brett, we did a weekend recap essentially with the Instant React um, we're not going to go through every game of the Georgia Tech series. Uh, Florida State did win two of three on the road, came dangerously close to one more and being able to get the sweep. Um, but we'll, we'll maybe talk more about some of the trends that that came uh, with. Um, and uh, we'll talk about some, some things going forward for FSU. And then we'll preview this weekend's series against a Troy Trojans team that Florida State fans have become quite familiar with, I think, not just in baseball, but it seems like uh, – uh, in other sports as well, uh, the Knowles and the Trojans have faced in uh, a number of variety of sports. So, all right, Brett. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about this team and the and the themes that are coming up, um, because um, you're top 15 now in a couple of polls. D1 baseball has you at 20. Um, so, you know, 15. If you look at it in the rankings, would highlight a a general consensus of this is a borderline regional hosting team. I think I would agree with that. Right now, this is a regional quality, a regional hosting quality team. And a lot of that has to do with the starting pitching on the mound. And of course, uh, the thing that has really carried them all year offensively, and that's the long ball. Yeah, I think this this offense is, um, it's obviously inconsistent and it's not always super deep, but um, I just think it's better than people realize. Um, the power is always going to be there with this lineup. Even when they're struggling, the power is not going to go away. Um, you know, you obviously have Nelson with all his homers, but you know, Robbie's also got nine. Elijah's got ten now. Um, you know, Nander is seven, and Elijah and Nander are hitting six and seven for you. So there's not just power, but there's power depth. Um, I just think that this offense can strike quick, and it's going to be dangerous in the postseason. Um, you know, the strikeouts are there, but when you get the homers and homers with runners on base, it kind of negates that. Um, like you said, starting pitching is obviously. Um, strong. Um, I think bullpen arms, I think we're starting to see some guys emerge into bigger roles, which we kind of think we've been asking for for a bit. Uh, but I think this team's on the right track. And, you know, I think right as of now, I'd be surprised if there's not a regional in Tallahassee. Maybe not Florida State's the one or the host, but I just think with FSU having um, so many regionals in Tallahassee, NCAA knowing Tallahassee, Florida State playing well right now, um, you know, Florida State has the testing protocols. Um, I think it's it's a pretty good fit for the NCAA. So right now, it's probably, I'd probably say it's it's fifty fifty for Florida State to, or at least for Tallahassee to have a regional um, this year. Yeah, you know, I think I looked at some of the projections, and you know, you've got like a park, um, a school such as Charlotte, um, who's supposed to be a regional host potentially. Um, if they can get you know the AAA ballpark there to be able to be a host, um, maybe they could you know pitch that that's where they would play. But if not, and, and some of the other smaller schools that are kind of borderline having, they're having great seasons, but they're borderline to get a regional hosting spot. You could see a Tallahassee be selected because of the venue, um, because of the protocols and the ability to test for COVID because of um, just the, the familiarity, as Brett said, with the NCAA. So um, Florida state has a couple of different avenues, I think to, to have postseason baseball in Tallahassee. One is to just keep winning. Um, and earn that. You're a two seed right now. I think you're starting to become 
a higher two seed. Uh, the, the weekend series win against Georgia Tech was I mean, massive. I think you're solidifying yourself as a two seed. Right. So you've put yourself in conversation at least to be a regional host. I don't know that you're a favorite. I think that's where I differ uh, I'm from Brett's opinion. I, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm not even sure it's 50-50. I think I'd put FSU's chances at more like 25%. But I think that 25% is a mixture of um, – a puncher's chance, right? Because of the facility, because you have put yourself in a, a decent pers- uh, decent position, um, at least to give the NCAA a chance to to want to uh, give you um, a, a host. So, um, but you can do you can do yourself some favors, right? And that's you beat Stetson. That was big. Um, I think FSU's RPI jumped into the 40s uh, overnight. That's that's huge. Uh, you want to beat Troy three times. I think we'll talk about that when we preview that. You're going to need a sweep uh, over this team because Florida State has struggled to get sweeps all year. Um, and then if they haven't decided already, um, I'm, uh, Brett said, you know, we were talking, you said, suppo- you said supposedly they would already have their decisions made by the end of the week. But mm-hmm. if they don't, your next series might be the most important series of the year. And that's because you're going to get a chance to go against Notre Dame, who is a projected national seed right now. And if you win two of three on the road at Notre Dame, weekends like that are the exact types of series that change your projections. They really do. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot left to be seen, I think, Brett. But Florida State's starting to play well at the right time. Um, let's talk about the offense. I know we, we started off a little bit of offense, but you mentioned to me that this is this lineup is starting to become a little bit deeper. And I think we have to give a shout-out to, to Nander DeSatis, who had an excellent weekend uh, in Atlanta. Um, and then yesterday against uh, Stetson, he comes back out with three more base hits, and he hit a home run that I think I would put up there in Elijah Cabell territory in terms of how far and how hard it was hit. Yeah, I think um, this is the best Nanders ever play, ever hit at Florida State. Um, you know, I've, I've never really seen him show this much power consistently. And, um, yeah, that ball against Stetson was absolutely crushed. Um, I know it's that broadcast. Only, I mean, not stat broadcast. I think um, Statcast or whatever, Trackman had it at 398 or so, but – that ball looked like it was about 450 feet. Um, you know, it was gone right off the bat. Didn't even have to watch it and leave the park. Um, it probably hit a car or something in the parking lot out there. But, yeah, I mean, I think Nander's um, seven for his last 13 with five walks, um, like six runs, six RBIs, two homers and a triple. Um, doesn't really get much better than that. I mean, yesterday you have three hits from Cabell to six hole. You have three hits from Nander and seven hole, two hits from Perry at eight, and then you also get a hit from Green. I mean, Eight of nine starters had hits. Um, you know, I just think it's a lot to even. I think, and I think Florida State has options everywhere. You have pl- kind of platoon options at DH. You have platoon options in center field. Um, I think we'll talk more about center field later on, but there's options everywhere. Um, and I think there's a way for Florida State to figure this out moving forward that they're going to get this lineup to be a little deeper than it has been. Um, when this lineup is deep, um, this Florida State team is really dangerous. I think. One hundred percent. I think I, I agree with you. Another um, thing is, I mean, Florida State's scored six plus runs in nineteen of the last or eighteen of the last twenty seven games. Like this team has put up a lot of runs, um, a lot of times. It's just the times it's not there. It's like zero or one. I mean, I can off the top of my head. This is the fourth straight game. Florida State. Plus, well, uh, well yeah, plus. but but yeah, yes, I was gonna, that, yes to that, but also of multi home runs. I think it's seven straight with a home run. And, I mean, I'm sure if I look back at the stats, it's more than four. I know they homered all three games against Georgia Tech multiple times in each game. Mm-hmm. Um, you did it again yesterday against Stetson. 
I think uh, your top five in the nation is a team in homers <laughs> right now. The team hits, and I mean, it helps, right, to have Matt Nelson, who we're going to actually sit down with Matt here um, in just a couple of minutes. He was kind enough to join uh, Sunday Golds to, to talk about um, his season to date, and uh, just a, it was a fun interview, I think, that you did with him, Brett, but we'll get to that in, a, in a, maybe about 10 minutes or so, um, but um, I want to go back to Nander a little bit, just because um, talking to a few people before the season, they really wanted to try and so to speak, take off as much, take as much off of Nander's plate mentally as they possibly could. Try and simplify the game for Nander as much as as much as they could, um, because Nanto, uh, Nander mentally struggled a little bit. I think his first few years of just trying to mentally stay consistent and um, switching to the right-handed side for him um, was big. Obviously, you know his more natural side. He's creating harder contact. I think it's allowed him to kind of find some consistency at the plate. No, he's. I don't think he's ever going to hit 300. Um, I don't know that that's the type of hitter that he's destined to be. Um, but could he be a guy that, you know, hits 15 home runs in a college season? Yeah, I think that power is there for him. Um, we'll see if he's, you know, I think he's eligible, right, for the draft mm-hmm. this season. So if he goes, he goes. But if not, if he's back for Florida State next year, um, that's a guy I look at to, you know, potentially hit 15 home runs in a normal season. So, um, I mean, he's got a hit in, I think, six of the last seven games. Yeah. Um, two straight multi-hit games, two straight multi-RBI games. If Nanner can hit two, two, 250 and give you 10-plus homers this year, um, Florida State's going to go. That's going to be really, really big for Florida State. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's just confident at the play right now. That's the biggest <clears throat> de- deal for him. Defensively, I would say he's been a, a lot better than in the past. I still don't want to use the word comfortable. I'm not comfortable um, with him at shortstop sometimes. Um, last night, tossing the ball on, a, on an easy play to second, throwing the ball into center field or right center field on an underhand toss in a five-run game in the ninth, that's a lack of focus. Um, making a, a crucial error against Georgia Tech on Sunday that cost you the game probably, um, that's a lack of focus. And so I still want to see him kind of mature a little bit as a baseball player. Um, I think he's come a long way. Since his freshman year, I think he'll tell you that, that he's come a long way. I think he's found different ways to be able to cope with the stresses of of playing baseball every day and, and of that position specifically. Shortstop's tough on the mind. Yeah. Um, but I do want to see him kind of grow a little bit more in that avenue. And maybe he – and I have no doubt that, that he will in his career. Um, but overall, Nander DeSantis has been a huge piece to this offense, and you and I talked about it. When he's hitting and Logan Lacey's hitting – um, if those two guys are going, uh, this FSU offense is not just powerful. I mean, it's it's a very good offense. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I think Nander has 13 extra base hits, and he had zero. I know it was short in season last year, but he had zero last year. Um, can only remember two homers from his freshman year. Um, you know, you brought up Lacey. I think Lacey's kind of the glue guy to this lineup. Um, you know, he protects he protects Matt and Robbie, and you know, gives you know behind Tyler gets on base, can get on base behind him. Um, you know, Tyler's more of that patient hitter. Lacey's more of that aggressive hitter at the plate. Um, you know, I think when Lacey goes, this lineup kind of goes. Um, you saw it two games last week. Um, you know, didn't have a great night last night, but still got on base twice. Um, if Tyler and L- Lacey are getting on base for, for you know, that middle of the order, um, you know, that's really going to help Florida State. I mean, I think Tyler's like top five in the country or top ten in the country in walks, 45 on base percentage. 
Um, you know, Lacey's got, I mean, he's hitting 272 now, but a lot of that's just been a recent struggle. Um, you know, was hitting three on the 300 plus for a majority of the time at one point. He's giving you good defense at third base. He's versatile. Um, so I just think he's a real glue guy to this team. And when he's when he's doing his thing, then, then Florida State really goes. Um, and I mean, if that bottom third gives you stuff, if it gives you production at all, um, I really like Florida State's chances as a lineup to do some to do some damage late in the season. Yeah, I'm with you, and another one of the the keys, I think, for FSU, and he's been a key for a few years, right? It's the guy who sets the table at the top, and that's Tyler Martin. And there was a there was a moment there where he was struggling, um, but he's recently starting to get back on base, um, whether that's walking twice in a game or three times or finding a way to get a couple of base hits. Um, you need Tyler Martin to be good, I think, if this offense is going to be good. Uh, clearly, Matt Nelson can't drive anybody home if there's no one on base, right? And so Tyler's been doing that. Um, that, to me, has been really fun to watch. And it's also been fun to watch Robbie Martin turn into a professional hitter. He's always had a professional approach, right? Like, we've known that his approach has always been a, a very good one. This season, though, to me, just watching his at-bats, he looks like a professional hitter. Like, he's fouling off pitches that are, you know, if he's down 1-2 in the count, he'll foul off a couple pitches. But if he's up 1-0 in the count he'll find a fastball and turn on it for a solo shot or a two-run shot. Um, that's why, like, at the beginning of the year, you and I both said the person we're least concerned with <laughs> is Robbie Martin. Like, we have no doubts that that kid's going to hit because he's because he's always hit. Um, his numbers, I know, um, average-wise are maybe a tad bit down. Um, 308, still a long way to go. So, like, he could knock that back up to 330 by the end of the year. So I think we but, both I think we both mentioned that we would drop some average for some homers. This yes, year. nine home runs. He's on pace for, I mean, shoot, if, if he continues at this rate, I think, you know, 13, 14 is a safe number. Um, and he could get above 15. And that's, to me, if you hit 300 with 15 home runs uh, and you show the arm that you have in right field, that's a second-round pick. I mean, you're going to get drafted pretty highly. My so, biggest thing with Robbie is he's turned himself into a professional outfielder. I think he's been Florida State's most consistent outfielder defensively. I mean, he's just – he's been – I think he's been a stronghold in right field. And when he came to Florida State, he couldn't really even play out there. So now, I mean, that transition, that progression is really impressive to me. And I think it's going to make him a lot more money um, come July. Yeah, he's definitely been able to take uh, great routes to the ball. I think he's chased down some impressive fly balls. Uh, he's cut off balls that have, you know, saved a double, um, turned him into a single. Um, and there have been a, numerous occasions where he's let it fly – on, on the way home to the to home plate. And we've been like, dang, that was that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, if we're saying that, scouts, they're paid to be able to note that down. So uh, I would expect Robbie Martin to be, at minimum, a third-round pick, and I think he's worked himself into a second-round pick. And, and who knows? I mean, first round, that's tough to project. It's just that if he continues to hit 300 and ends up hitting 15 home runs, um, right field, outfield is a, is a nice position. You know, it's a premium position in right, especially. So... Um, We'll have to see. We'll have to see how scouts favor Robbie, but I think for FSU's purposes, uh, you want him hitting um, behind Matt Nelson uh, at the clip that he is. And um, it's to me, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. I have, I have really enjoyed watching Robbie Martin grow as a player. Um, he doesn't say a whole lot. He's the kind of guy that just kind of goes about his business, um, does his talking really on the field through example, um, but. If you were to tell me that there are three guys that have to hit for FSU, right? Like there are three guys that consistently have to be good if FSU has any chance in a regional or in a super regional. That's the two Martins, in my opinion, and and uh, Matt Nelson, obviously. Those three have to go. 
at all times. If any one of them are off, I think you're asking for someone else to kind of fill those shoes. Um, but uh, yeah, so Robbie's been doing well. Um, other themes from the weekend, Elijah Cabell's continuing to have that power surge. He's at 10 now, and you have to remember that, that Elijah has about 25 to 30 at-bats less than a lot of the other guys. So he would be, I think he'd be close to 14 or 15 um, if he played a full season. Um, Elijah's starting to, I think he's starting to put some good swings on the ball. It was against Stetson. It was very impressive to see him kind of go up the middle a couple times. Um, the two home runs that he's hit in back-to-back games have both, both been to right center field. Um, Elijah can change the game, right? Like if you're three, Brett, if the three guys that are your most consistent, the two Martins and the Nelsons are kind of the keys to the whole thing. Elijah's the one that I think completely changes a game in the middle of the innings. Yeah, well, I was just going to go back to Robbie first. He's on a 10-game hitting streak and has multiple RBIs in four of the last five games. Um, so, yeah, just doing Robbie things. And when Robbie can protect, I really like how FSU has the lineup set up, set up right now because teams still have to pitch to Matthew Nelson. I mean, intentionally walking Matthew Nelson to get to Robbie Martin, that's not that fun. And, you know, we've seen teams, they still have to pitch to them, and especially when Tyler Martin and Lacey are on base in front of him, then they really have to pitch to him. So I like how that's configure, configured right now. Um, and then on on Elijah, I mean, Elijah's sitting six, and he probably has the most game-changing ability in this entire lineup. Um, if you had told me Elijah was hitting six coming into the year, I'd think Florida State was probably hitting pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got – I mean, he was he was three for his last three at one point yesterday against Stetson. Um, you know, two opposite field hits. The opposite field – the homer at Georgia Tech was also opposite field. Elijah's really at his best when he's using that opposite field. Um, you know, I thought Georgia Tech game one, he kind of – I thought he had a lot of good contact, kind of just right at the shortstop over and over again. I um, mean, then, you know, towards the second game he struggled, but he came in that, that third game and hit that homer. That was really good to see, and it kind of set him in the right direction as – um, yesterday he was really hitting the ball hard and then get a line drive single um, to right field in his first at bat. Then he no doubter over the right field fence. Um, he really didn't even catch it like he usually can. But when he goes to right field, I mean, there's a pretty good chance it's going out over that fence just with his power. And then, I mean, yeah, I mean, when you have 10 homers in your six hole and seven right behind that, it's, yeah, I mean, you've got as much power as, as any team in the country, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt. I do think we need to mention that. Um, Reese Albert is out for the year. If you missed that news, um, he, I believe it was a knee. Uh, they, they had some surgery on it. He's going to miss about six to eight weeks trying to rehab it and get back. And, um, before we talk about the impact on this lineup and, and I know we were all hopeful to get him back at some point and, and maybe, you know, he could find himself, but, um, that sucks. I mean, I, I hurt for him. Um, I know Nellie said that in, in your interview that you'll hear later on, but, um, I hurt for for Reese Albert. He's meant a lot to Florida State baseball over the years. He he loves this program, um, and he's been a game changer for you in some of the most crucial moments um, in Florida State baseball. You know, in history, really, if you want to talk about the LSU weekend. And so, um, I'm sure it, it hurts him. I, I hope you know if he has a chance to come back and play baseball here next year, and, and he wants to, um, I think Florida State would take the center field that that he provides, um, but. Um, I don't think anyone would blame him if, if he, you know, decided to move on from either FSU and try the ML, the MLB draft, if that's an avenue for him at all, or just to, you know, move on from the game of baseball. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not privy to, to that information, but, um, certainly for, for Reese, um, you know, 
we're, we're crushed for him, I think, both of us, because, you know, um, he deserves to be out there and, and playing in, in the Garden and Gold. But as far as it hurts you from a lineup perspective, um, that's a guy who already had four home runs on the year. And he was quote-unquote struggling, right? Like he's hitting 170 and he still has home runs. So, Brett, I mean, if he if he could be healthy, you're looking at another 10 home runs from him. Um, and now you're talking about a lineup that's pushing for what? You know, top three in the country in, in, in home runs? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you can make up for the production that he was providing you this year. But, you know, you really hurt that Reese really couldn't be healthy all year. It always seemed like something was a bit off, um, especially after the concussion in Blacksburg. Um, you know, Reese was really hitting in the spring, uh, swinging the bat well, and then it just, you know, after the first few games, kind of just fluttered off. And after the concussion, he could never really get it going again after that. Those couple games against Wake Forest, um, yeah, I mean, it's it really sucks, like you said, for for Reese. Um, he does have a year of eligibility left um, if he wants to come use it. But as for FSU, I mean, I think the biggest loss for this is defensive. Um, even when Reese struggled in the lineup, I still thought. He gave Florida State good defense in the outfield, and um, you know I think he's really their own one of their only natural center fielders. Um, makes it look easy out there at times, um, but yeah, there's definitely some options for Florida State. I think to make up for the production, maybe not power wise, but to still get some production out of the out of that spot and to have some pressure on people. Um, you know, obviously Isaiah Perry made his first career start last night. And I kind of think that was. A bit of audition for him after they saw after they knew that Reese was going to be done for the year. Um, you know, IP also played a bit at Georgia Tech, um, some base running, some bunting. Um, <clears throat> I think they were trying to get him comfortable out there because he really hadn't played much. But you know, he goes two for four last night with two doubles, uh, both of them really using his wheels. Um, I think IP on his first double got to second base in under eight seconds. He almost made a bloop uh, a bloop hit down the right field line into a triple. In his second double, um, you know, Elijah just really can put pressure on teams with his with his wheels. Um, just extremely, extremely fast. Meets after the game. He's probably the fastest player Florida State's had since Deion Sanders. Um, that's something. I mean, that is that's crazy. Uh, I believe he runs a 60-yard dash in like the 6.0 to 6.2 times. Like, he can burn. Like, like there were probably tire tracks left at behind him on the base. Like, I, I, I don't know how he got to second base so fast on that one double. Um, you know, also had a bunt single against Georgia Tech where he would beat it out by a mile. Um, so there's definitely a lot there from, from IP um, in the pressure factor like that Meat wants teams to have. Um, not a huge arm in center field. Um, I believe he hit 250 or so at Texas State his freshman year before going to JUCO, before coming to Florida State and walking on. Um, you know, your other options are Crowell, who's really – um, you know, not not so natural in the outfield, but has a good stick, I think. I think he's really starting to hit. Um, I think he's hitting 267 in ACC play, um, 263 overall. But, you know, has had those struggles in center field, I think, that we've both seen. Um, and then your last option is Logan Lacey, who has shown you probably the best defensive option out of those three in center field. But with Lacey, you know, he's also your best defensive option at third base. So um, I think – my in my opinion, I think I would probably platoon Crowell and Perry. Um, obviously, you know Isaiah took Debo off the face the other day, um, yesterday. Um, supposedly he had stitches um, around the nose, but they don't expect it to be too bad. Should be okay. Should I don't know if he'll be available for this weekend, but it's not long term. Um, but yeah, I think I would go Crowell and Perry platoon moving forward. Yeah, I mean. 
Crowell at the plate has has really been impressive, I think, against right-handed pitching all year. Um, that's kind of been the – I think of the three pitchers that they've used, he's been the most consistent. Um, it feels like um, at the plate, uh, Davis Hare deserves a shout-out to um, what he's been able to do coming in against lefties. Um, that's been kind of fun. Um, and then Parker Mastic, you know, he gave FSU that lift, I think, that they needed at a, at a time in the season that they were really struggling offensively, and, and he injected that life into them. So – um, that's an area I think Meat deserves a a check mark in the positive category because he he pulled the right strings on that. There are other areas I think that we have question marks on on some of the decisions that he's made. Um, but those are more in the pitching category. And um, I think I think Messick and Hare will probably platoon at DH the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, they, and they've deserved the chance and they and they've earned that right. But um, I do I think want to mention too that Jackson Green has been pretty good for you. Um, at the nine hole, I think he deserves some love because there's been some, there's been a lot of uh, naysayers about Jackson Green all year. I know you and I have talked a little bit about some of the the disappointing moments that he's had, some of the the question marks. But he is starting to give Florida State something. And if you get what you're getting from Green at the nine hole, when you add that to the, I mean, I'm going to call it plus plus college defense. Like he has he has plus plus college defense. Um, you have yourself something to work with. Yeah, I mean Jackson Green, obviously the average isn't pretty. Um, but I mean, he just gets on, he still gets on base a lot. Not, not, not a lot, but at a, at a, no, not a bad rate for your nine hole hitter. I mean, he's reached base in all the last five games. Um, you know, he just works a lot of walks. I think he's third on the team in walks. Um, like you said, the defense is, is as good as it's going to get for Florida state. Um, you know, if he can give you those walks in the nine hole, I think he's your best option. Um, I think Jackson will really be that guy the rest of the year. I don't think there's going to be much of back and forth there at second base anymore. I know there's pretty much been, you know, it's pretty much been an audition all season long, but the defense that he gives you, I mean, he's got a perfect fielding percentage. Um, you know, the double plays have been turned quick. Um, just every time, you know, I know there's a lot of strike counts and, um, but I mean, he gives you competitive at bats and the way that he works counts, makes pitchers work. Um, you know, you take what you can get there, I think. And I think overall that's, that's your best option. And, you know, had that home run last on Friday. Um, you know, there is some juice in that bat. And, I mean, if you take an occasional home run and you get the walks from him and, um, you know, he lays down bunts for you and gives you de- good defense, then you take it. And, you know, that you, that's your best option and you run with it. I mean, he's got three hits in his last four games and he's reached base, I believe, eight or nine times in the same span. Uh, I mean, that's your nine-hole hitter, folks. Like, I mean, if your nine-hole hitter is hitting 300, you're probably Vanderbilt. Like, that's, you know, you're the number one. <laughs> you're the number one team in the country, or it's a, it's a ridiculous lineup. But Jackson Green's giving you what he can, and um, you and I touched on it. We said defensively this team's identity would need, you know, where this team was going and the recipe that was going to be optimal for winning games would include Jackson Green providing stability at second base. So we agreed to that. Um, there are some other options there, you know, the Romanos of the world and the, the Vince Smiths of the world. But I think when you put it all together and you put all the different skills in a pot, right, and you cook it up, um, the best the best recipe is Jackson Green there. Yeah, I think Florida State's pretty, you know, I think it's shortstop, first base, and center field are a bit shaky, and you're not very comfortable with what you're getting there defensively right now. But other than that, I think you feel pretty comfortable. You know, like we said, Robbie and Wright. Nelly's been really good behind the plate. Lacey's been pretty solid at third base. Elijah, um, since, like, getting more up to live speed, really hasn't had many miscues lately in in left. 
Um, so yeah, if you can really sure up second base and you know, that, that helps Nander out a bit too. And if Nander can be more of what he was before that oblique injury defensively, then, then you really take it and you just hope that Tyler Martin starts to get more comfortable at first base really. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think he's going to leave first base at this point. Definitely. I think we, okay. So wrapping up on the offense here, um, it's very obvious this team is centered around, uh, home runs. I have been impressed recently with Florida State's ability to start walking again. Um, and there are people that will roll, roll their eyes and be like, oh, walks. Uh, this is what FSU always does. Not, I think this year there's a different uh, formula for how Florida State's drawing walks. Um, I've been impressed in the way within the new offensive approach, Florida State's starting to lay off pitches, I think, that are not well it's, it's they're not prime hitting pitches right not like they're, not, they're not hitters pitches yeah but it's also not automatic takes anymore it's yes swing what you should swing at take it what you should take yeah so, mike gambino said that from boston college that mm-hmm. fsu's not they're not taking as much as you normally could count on them to take so um there was a moment there you know when I mean, fsu was adjusting to that approach I mean, where tyler they were striking Mar- out way too much and not walking tyler martin's alone has got 37 walks and yeah 35 starts so yeah yeah, but there were moments where I thought Florida State mm. wasn't even like patient at the plate. Like they looked uncomfortable within what Meek was asking antsy, them to do. A little bit yeah. antsy and yeah. pressed and wanting to get. I think when guys want to get something going at the plate, that's when they start getting swing happy. But you know, I think like like Meat said last night with Nander, he's kind of just letting it come to him and simplifying it, like you said, and um, it's really helped him out. So I think that's kind of what a lot of these guys are doing right now is they're getting comfortable in that approach. Yeah. So in summary, Florida State's going to hit home runs. Um, if they can find a way to get on base uh, surrounding those home runs, I think you're in good shape. And, you know, at its best, it looks like what Florida State's done in its last four games, right? Like they've yeah. put on, they put up some some monstrous numbers. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about pitching. Um, Parker Messick, your favorite, I think, right now for ACC Pitcher of the Year. Bryce Hubbard has started to turn it on again. That's been fun to watch. Um, and uh, Connor Grady didn't have his best stuff against Georgia Tech. But I think Connor's the one guy who's going to walk back up to to meet into belly and say, "Give me the ball on a Sunday," and uh, he's earned the right to keep having the ball in his hands. So um, track record says Connor Grady more times than not is going to do a nice job for you on Sunday afternoons. But um, I think we don't have to touch too much on the rotation. We've done that all year. I think you know we know we know what we have. Parker Messick's just really good, like yeah, he, really really good. Super efficient too. <laughs> I mean, he's just getting through it. 168 ERA in, in nine ACC starts, 53 innings, 37 hits, 17 walks, 79 strikeouts, 189 average against, 4-1. and one. I mean, he's had a lot of starts, too, where it's been like Florida State has like two or three runs. Like, he's kept Florida State in, in every single Friday ACC game. There has not been one game. There has not been one Friday where it got away from Florida State. And you and I talked about FSU's key has been to score first, right? Well, it's easy to score first when Parker Messick's not letting the other team score first. Mm-hmm. So um, I think Georgia Tech was a prime example, right? Like Florida State didn't. Mm, Fridays you've got, you lost within ACC, you lost 0-1, you won 2-0, you won 6-4, 1-13-1, 1-2-1, 3-4, lost 3-4, 1-10-2, 1-9-0. Yeah. So you're giving up like no, you're basically giving up no runs on Friday. Yeah, I mean, so like this against Georgia Tech, that game was, I would say, you know, not over until that ninth inning when FSU put up that four spot. But if, if Parker Messick's basically making sure Georgia Tech's not getting anything throughout. If you take out the one North Florida start, FSU's outscoring um, 
teams forty eight to seventeen in in Messick starts. Like it's they're they're really like really good game one team. And that's going to go a long way in postseason play. It's because he's a really good game one pitcher. Yeah, and he's just a gamer. Yeah. Like it's just it's a gamer, complete gamer. Yeah, I think that to me has the, been the the highlight. Is I used the word comfortability earlier. I'm just comfortable every time he has the ball in his hands. I sit back if I'm on the couch watching an away game. You put your feet up and you go. I feel pretty good. Like I can drink this beer. I'm yeah, be there's right. just there's just not much hard contact. Like yeah. he hasn't given up a home run in his last. Seven starts. Yeah, but it's the same. Or six starts. It's the same feeling in recent memory that Tyler Holton gave you on Fridays, that Drew Parrish gave you in that season on Friday. You know, like you were, there was C.J. Van Eyck. Every time they had the ball, you went, I'm almost positive we're going to be in the seventh inning of this game and either winning or within a run. You're right there to win it. And I will never worry about that. Not, I won't with Parker the rest of the year. And never have, really. I, I was... You know, telling his his family this weekend in Atlanta when we, we they were up there and we were chatting. I said, you know, I've said it on this podcast. Last year, what he did against Texas Tech and against Florida as an eighteen or nineteen year old as a freshman, sold. I'm sold. Like the the guys the guys got the mental money, the money makeup, as I say, um, to be an elite pitcher. And Parker Masick's going to make a lot of money. Um, thankfully, we get him for one more year, mm-hmm. so it's not over yet. So you're saying we get one more season of Parker Messick. Thank We're God. robbed of half a season yeah. now. And then you got Bryce Hubbard, and, uh, whose stuff is special. It's a Georgia Tech team that you and I both were like, dang, their lineup's really good. Like this lineup, was, so, yeah. this lineup is so scrappy. They're so annoying. And Bryce was, after that first inning, was starting to mow them down. This was one of my favorite outings from Bryce because it was just he was just attacking the zone. He was letting his stuff play. You know, not a ton of strikeouts. Strikeouts were still there, but... You know, did give up some hard contact, but he just let guys get themselves out, I thought. Um, you know, only three hits. I think two were doubles. Two were leadoff doubles, and he worked around both of them. Um, you know, he had good situational pitching. Um, you know, I, I just there was a lot to like about this outing. His last two outings, really. I mean, last two outings, 10.2 innings and one earned run and, not, and seven hits. Um, you know, just one walk this last outing. That's really what you like to see. Um, you know, had another one of those two-strike Hit by pitches, those have really um, hampered him this year. But when Bryce stays away from you know the the big home runs, the two run, three run home runs, um, you know he's giving you really good starts. I mean, Louisville he was throwing the ball well until he gave up a grand slam. Um, you know Wake Forest he gives up two home runs to the same kid. Um, other than that, I mean he's been, he's had a you know superb year I think. Yeah. All right. Anything you want to touch on um, bullpen wise? Um. I think you're really starting to see some of these guys emerge um, into what we kind of expected them to be, some of these young guys. I really, really like Florida State's trio of um, freshman left-handed pitchers. Um, last night we saw more of Andrew, Andrew Armstrong for the first time, um, his third appearance. You know, gives up back-to-back hits to start the inning, but then bounces back with three straight strikeouts. Also got a double play, double play ball, but like you said, there was that error um, Wyatt Crowell is really good, like really good. He needs to be used a lot more moving forward. Um, Ross Dunn is really starting to mow teams down. I mean, he hasn't given up a run in his last six appearances. Um, I think that's. I think he's had six innings in those six appearances or seven. You know, only given up two hits. Um, he's you know only walked two in the last six appearances, and he's struck out, I believe, eight batters. Um, you know, that was the first time they really let him pitch in a moment where it actually mattered and not in a huge you know deficit in score but um you know that was really good I mean he calmed that game down it felt like Tyler Ahern was very good last night I thought Tyler Ahern kind of got um 
you know, thrown in a bad situation on, on Sunday where, you know, he's not warming up. He gets thrown in the game real quick. Um, some seeing eye singles, big line on the ERA on the ERA. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, they're still trying to figure out this, this entire staff, um, you know, I, I've, I've gone through some thoughts. I mean, I'd like to see, you know, a Hunter Purdue and a Jack Anderson kind of used like Georgia Tech uses their um, relievers where they kind of just match with the starter and starter goes five and, you know, that reliever goes four and they give you the – they close the game out like that or six and three, something like that. Both those guys are built up enough to do that. And both those guys are really guys that, you know, are kind of one one – one outing a weekend guys where they're comfortable doing that more so than multiple times in a weekend when you can have a Jonah or a chase go out there and get you those matchup outs when they need them. Um, but there's definitely, I mean, and you know, Davis hair has been Davis hair this year. So there's definitely still a lot of options, but those three lefty arms, I, I, I really enjoy watching those guys pitch. Yeah. I think you and I both though also have been saying, we want to see them if they're ready for it, which we think they're about to be. Um, they need to start getting some of the, the lion's share of, of innings over guys like uh, Scalaro and Haney. And um, tough to see Kwiatkowski go down. Um, we expect good, him yeah, to be back. Good news there. Point, yes. Apparently there was no structural damage. I know you had mentioned in the past that he's had Tommy John. So that was a scare when it originally happened. Um, that kind of hurt Florida State too in the moment, as you mentioned on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It really just kind of... If he doesn't go down there, I don't think you give up you know, a sixth spot in that inning. Yeah. That, that inning was like Louisville where it just kind of unraveled a bit. Yeah, and four of the runs came on a double player and a, a bloop in the left that I thought Wyatt Crowell should have had. Sundays are not fun. Yeah, I, they're not yeah, that good. I don't like Sundays Should we change the name of the podcast? <laughs> Saturday and gold, mm-hmm. Saturday creams or Friday whites. I don't know. <laughs> Crowell, Crowell, this year, Crowell has nine appearances this year, gave up three earned runs and one in a, in a third of an inning. Other than that, he's... Eight scoreless appearances. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got to use this yeah. a lot more. Yeah, and I think, you know, what uh, Purdue did against Georgia Tech, three innings of shutout, um, this is this is what we're starting to see. I, Purdue I, was also sitting like 95 to 96. And I think in a past podcast, I told – I think I said it on here, right? I said I want my guys throwing <clears throat> 94 to 96 in the game. Like I don't want my pitchability guys being thrown out there twice a weekend. My thing with Anderson and, and Purdue is like – these guys have both been starters for a really long time. And, like, they – I mean, Hunter was a starter in Juco. Anderson was a starter in high school and was kind of in that starter mix, was built up as a starter coming into the season. If you can give those guys, like, scheduled appearances, like, hey, this is your day to go out there and throw three or four innings and close a game out, I think that will really set those guys up for some success in their best role. I think that will kind of be their best role. Yeah, I agree with you. I want to see, you know – uh, Clayton, if he's back healthy and he can pitch again to, to the level that he was, you know, I like him for multiple innings, but Jonah and Chase. Corell, Corell's a guy that I think could possibly be like your long reliever because, I mean, he was also built up as a starter. Dunn was also built up as a starter. He could also give you your long relief. Um, you know, use Tyler Ahern in, in some smaller outings maybe or keep him as your long reliever, but when you can match him up real quick for a grounder at 95 or so with a, sort of a sinker, I mean – B walks also that way. There's definitely there's just a lot of options that still this needs to be figured out even more and just get the best possible scenarios I think out of this deep bullpen. Yeah, I mean I just I, I think those are the guys though that you want 
throwing multiple innings. I think, you know, the, the Scalaros and Haney's of the world, I'd like to see more as a matchup guy. I want Scalaro in for one batter or two batters if they're both lefties, and I don't really want Jonah back out there. I'm we, serious. Like, we, I just – I think – or if Chase is in the game, I want Chase in righty-righty to get a double play ball if it's there or to go, you know, match him up. There's no reason to me at this point for either of those two to be pitching multiple innings. Like, to I mean, me, it's just it's – just, I don't want to see six batters for any of them. I mean – It's just – that's just – that's my preference. I, I could be wrong here, but the guys that I want – and I'm not saying that they shouldn't pitch. I think they're both valuable. Like, they're both very valuable to this team. I think that the way that you're using them is not optimal. Because right now, they're going Haney and Scalaro twice a weekend, multiple batters a weekend. And it's like, what? why are you doing that? Especially when you have guys throwing 95 to 97 in the pen. Um, if, if the goal of the game is to win the game, let's use the guys that help you win the game. If the goal of the game is to get Chase Haney the record all time for his career appearances, that's a different ball game that we need to have a different conversation about. Um, because um, I respect Chase Haney. He's a great man. Uh, it's, a, it's a great guy, and he deserves the captain's armband that he gets um, every single day. Uh, Jonas Scalaro has been big for Florida State in his career. At this point, where your bullpen is and the guys that you have available um, – there just has to be, I think, a little bit more of a strategic, you know, usage to some of these guys. Um, and that includes, like I just said, Scalaro and Haney being used situationally to come in and get the out that you need them to get. But if it's a two-run game in the eighth and you're starting a brand new inning, I want Hunter Purdue in the game or I want Jack Anderson in the game. Or if Ross Dunn has shown you the ability to come out now and do that or Wyatt has, Crowell, those are the guys I think I want in the game, fresh innings, ready to rock. Um, that's just me personally. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I thought it was kind of funny. We don't have any say guys. I know somebody tweeted at me this weekend at both of us and said, Hey, those guys have pull. We have no pull with this baseball program. I don't know why you would think that. Um, I think it was just good timing that we both said that we need to see Ross done and some of these other guys get some chances and they both pit and all these guys pitched. Um, so that to me just says that the coaching staff is, Smart. They're paid to be smart baseball minds. They, I think, are are on the same page as a lot of us. Um, I, so we'll see. I think the one. I mean, I think Davis Harris probably been your most consistent guy this year. I, I'm sorry that I left him out. I think no, da- good, I, 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 I blanked. He, Davis Harris also another arm that I wanted if you, there. If you take out Harris' first outing of the year, he's thrown 18.1 innings and only given up uh, 10 hits. Um, no, yeah, Davis is. I think Davis is given the guy. Up, yeah, he's given up some untimely hits. I think, um, but you know that splitter. Um, you know, it might be a little complicated how they use him now. Now that he's hitting too, but between the splitter, when the splitter is down, um, the new breaking ball and the fastball, when his fastball is up, you know, really just tough to to. It's just really tough for teams to connect on him and make hard contact. He gets you grounders, keeps the ball out of the air a lot. Um, you know, if you're not going to go with, you know, that Purdue, if you want one single closer, I'd probably give it to Hare, I think, just because he's been your most consistent I think I'm with you, yeah. If you're you're in the ninth inning of a one-run game and you're like, hey, go get me one arm, um, Davis is the the mix, I think, of of stuff and pitchability. For me, like, if you have three left-handed hitters coming up, I honestly might go, Wyatt Crell, give me three innings, give me three outs, close this game out, because... I mean, Quell has been really good. I mean, if you take out one single outing, he's got a zero ERA in in ten point one innings. So, 
Yeah, that'll play. So anyway, thoughts on our pit. Those are the thoughts on the pitching staff. Oh, uh, we need to one more name. Uh, Carson Montgomery is struggling. Yeah, this is not not good. Um, two two or three times now in a row where it's like, um, I don't know. I just think you and I talked about it. I think before we hit record, there's a chance that he's just going to get buried now um, in this in this pitching staff, right? Just because of the number of arms you have, number of guys that have proven to pitch well. I don't think the door has been shut on Carson yet. I think he's going to get another opportunity or two to kind of prove that he can maybe kind of find his form and get hot, so to speak, you know. Um, but I think he's starting to trickle down the pecking order, in my opinion, of guys that are going to be used. Yeah, he'll start one of those FGCU games. That will be one opportunity. Um, you know, I'm sure in one of these Troy games, he'll get an opportunity if Florida State's up big because um, he didn't throw that many pitches yesterday. But it's just a struggle with the ability to put the ball where he wants it right now. I know last night he didn't walk anybody, but – was a bit over the middle of the plate. You know, they just jumped on him quick, I thought, Stetson. Um, you know, I don't think this is a long-term worry for Florida State. At some point, you know, Carson Montgomery is going to figure it out, and I think that's going to happen over the offseason with some work between him and Belly um, mechanically um, and starting to figure some things out. So I think it, I think it will be – I don't think there's long-term worries. Um, you don't have to have Carson Montgomery this year be his best, but – you know, it would be a really big bonus, obviously, for him to be that fourth starter and really be a dominant guy in the postseason when you need that fourth start. But, um, yeah, I don't know if he would get that fourth start anymore for you in a postseason. But, like you said, he's definitely um, out of the pen. He's probably fallen behind a good bit of guys now with some of these other younger arms starting to throw the ball really well. Yeah, again, so we both agree the door has not been closed on Carson Montgomery. He'll the still door get some, will never be Right, he's going to get his opportunities yeah. this year to prove. Um, but I think at this point, we're both on the same page. Um, he's down in the pecking order. All right, uh, this is a, a really cool interview that Brett did with Florida State's uh, stud catcher, Matt Nelson. Um, Golden Spikes Award um, should be a favorite to win it. Um, they need to get his name on the list, though, first. So um, we'll talk more about that after you listen to this interview. Now we have uh, the national leader in home runs on here. Um, first, first a reoccurring guest on Sunday Golds. Um, first off, Matt, just – How's it to be done with school and, you know, just focus on baseball now? What's that like for you? It's definitely the best feeling in the world. It actually starting to feel a lot like uh, postseason, the offseason, because freshman year, we weren't done with school until we were pretty close to the ACC tournament. So right now it's it's getting pretty close to that, and it feels really good to be done. How do you guys feel like you're playing as a team now? Obviously, um, it's kind of been a bit of a roller coaster of a season and um, obviously a different season than usual. Just how do you guys feel like where do you feel like you guys are at right now? We've definitely come a long way. Uh, we had a lot of learning to do early in the season and we've definitely combined together, come together. And, you know, we're starting to play more as a team and rely on others and next man up mentality. Yeah, you guys, you guys had that quick entry into ACC play and, uh, you know, usual usual years you have three weeks or so, um, you know, you, you get swept in that first series. Just um, what was it like to go straight into ACC play? And how, how quickly did you guys come together because of that and, um, you know, kind of the criticism that, that was out there? I think it was actually really good for us, um, you know, coming in. And it was a big eye opener when we played Pitt early on in the season. And they came in and swept us. And, you know, we had to learn a lot from that situation because you know typically you weren't expecting Pitt to come in and be a you know a really good team or a top 25 team in the country 
And we're, I'm not saying that we were thinking that at all. I'm just saying typically you just don't expect that. And then you see pick go off and you take two or three from someone else and two or three from someone else. And you're like, wow, this, this is a really good ball club. But, you know, I think it's more so just the fact that, you know, we went right into it. We, we nosed out or we nosedived right into ACC play and started to face some really good pitching, some really good competition. Guys, you know, if you were ready for it, you were ready for it. If you weren't, you had to get ready for it quick because it was coming at you. How much of a grind has it been to play this many ACC games? Um, you know, a lot less conference play. Obviously, you guys have a um, a non-conference series coming up this weekend, but to play this many ACC series in a row um, from the very start of the season, really, how much of a grind has that been? I don't know if it's more so playing this many ACC conference games. I think it's just more so the season in general with everything that went on. Looking back at my freshman year, me and a couple of guys were talking about this the other day is, you know, my freshman year playing almost every single day and only having maybe 10 games off the entire year, if that, you know, my body and a lot of our bodies haven't felt as tired or the way they do now. Whereas this year, it's just like, dude, like it, it it's like a brick wall every week. It's like, here we go again. Here we go again. Here we go again. And it's just, you know, we're focused more on rehab this year than we ever were my freshman year because we just haven't felt the way that we do now. And it's just like, all right, well, we got to get ready to go. And it's that fresh feeling that we got to get under our belts every single game. Do you feel like for you, a little bit of that feeling more, I guess, fresh, just do you feel like that has to do with some of that work you put in and that, you know, the, the weight drop? Do you feel like you're more durable this year uh, being able to catch as many games as you're catching? 110 percent. Um, it's not even just that. It's also the mobility that I gained. It's the functionality, the athleticism that I gained that came with it. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, trying to maintain that, but also putting the right foods in your body. Um, you know, you're going to put the right food in your body. It's going to give it back to you. If you keep eating McDanks every single day, it's it's kind of puts you on the bench. Obviously, um, you know, I think you have uh, four straight games with the homer, eight in the last 10. Just what kind of zone are you in right now? Is there a way to describe it? Have you ever felt like you're in a, in a zone like this before? Um, I would say in summer ball, I used to feel in a zone like this or, you know, just more so thinking like, you know, the pitcher has to throw the ball over the plate or somewhat near the plate in order for it to be a strike. So if I go up there with my mentality telling myself, you know, okay, I'm the best hitter in the country, whether that's true or not, you know, if if I tell myself that and I firmly believe that and I own the batter's box and I sit there and tell myself, all right, you're not going to strike me out. You're not better than me. Okay. You know, if he gets me out, tip the cap. Otherwise, I'm going to do my best and I'm going to, I'm just going to crush this ball. I don't care where it goes. How much of that, them having to throw to you, um, has to do with the protection around, you know, having Robbie, um, I know you guys are kind of flipped back and forth a little bit, but having him behind you or in front of you, um, how, how nice is it to have the protection of, of Robbie hitting around you when he's also doing yeah, his Yeah, no, it's awesome because earlier in the season, Robbie was hitting three hole. I was hitting four hole and then it was the other, and now it's, I'm hitting three hole and Robbie's hitting four hole. And it just goes to show like it's, it's going to continue whether or no matter what spot you put us in. You know, Rob does a really good job, and it's not even that. Like, you got guys below him, like Wyatt Davis is starting to make his appearances, and as a DH, Parker, when he DHs, you know, Elijah, he'll go up there and hit a ball 600 feet. You know, we got a we got a bunch of guys that are coming around and a bunch of guys that they can do damage to. 
Uh, you just mentioned a couple of those pitchers. What has it been like to see some of those pitchers move into the lineup? And, um, you know, if, it, if there had to be a next position player to to be a pitcher and the other way around, who do you think it a would be? A next position player to be a pitcher? If it was the oh other way boy. around. You know, at, at World of Beer over here, they have a top golf simulator. And there's a baseball setting where you can throw pitches and it supposedly clocks your velo. We don't know how true it is, but Nander claims he hit 93 on it the other day. So honestly, maybe Nander, but I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I guess just um, what, has there been something this year that, that surprised you, whether with just this team or, or just ACC play overall? Has there been one big thing that surprised no, you? No, it's everything stayed about the same. Um the only difference that I've actually noticed is that we don't shake hands after games or after series, but that's not even a big difference at all. Because, you know, Golden Spikes Award watch list was released a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, obviously Parker was on it and um, you weren't on it and there were a few other ACC catchers on there. Um, is that something that gives you any extra motivation or chip on your shoulder um, you know, as the competitor you are, or is it just something that's out there and, um, you see it and it just, it doesn't really, um, to be anything. honest with you, like it's, it's a mid season watch list. I mean, I explained this to somebody, I said, just cause the weatherman says it's going to rain, doesn't mean it's going to rain. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, it'd be cool to be on a watch list. It'd be even cooler to win it. But you know, this is the mentality that I'm looking at is like, you know, we're in the middle of a season. We're focused on winning games. We're focused on scoring runs. You can't get personal here because at the end of the day, like it's cool for the 15 seconds or the five minutes after you win it. And then it becomes a dust collector, you know, but that's, that's really how I look at it. Like win it or not, it doesn't matter to me. No, Parker is on that list. Just you have that front, you have that, you have the best seat in the house for him every Friday. Just what is it like to catch Parker every Friday? He's awesome. He makes my life really easy. He's, goes up there he puts the ball where he wants to keeps the ball down in the zone you know he's he's got up there and we always talk about his bulldog mentality how he just he doesn't care who you are he's gonna throw he's gonna spin it you hit it cool if you don't go sit down you know i think it was last night that um meat said that reese is gonna be out for the year um just how much does he mean to this team um, you know, still having him in the dugout and, and just how, what is it? I mean, to see him go through this rehab process again, um, just, just how, how bad, I just guess, I guess, what are your feelings on it for him? Yeah, I, honestly, I hurt for him because I really like Reese a lot and he's a big factor. This team has always been a big player in this program, but you know, to have him in the dugout, I mean, he wasn't there last night, but we came back and we saw the messages in our group chat of him just, you know, Hey, attaboy guys, and just hyping us all up, everybody who did something or just guys in general. And, you know, just to have his support and have him there and have our back at the end of the day still means everything because he's just a part of this team as, you know, me or anybody else. Obviously, your offensive numbers are up this year, but, you know, also the defensive numbers. I think you're throwing out 40% of runners this year. Just how important were those defensive strides for you in the offseason and, how, how nice has it been to see some of that work pay off for you um, behind but the play? A lot. I mean, it makes me feel good when I can get a ball off pretty well. But also, you got to remember, like, the pitchers are a big factor in this. You know, if they give me a good slide step or a quick move to the plate, they're the ones who make this happen, too. Um, I mean, I can get a ball off quick and I can throw it down to second base. But at the end of the day, if I don't get a good quick move to the plate, 
I don't have a shot depending on what the runner's jump is. So the pitchers play a big factor in this, and they've done a great job of that so far. At the plate, what, Jay, it's just, what do you think has been the biggest difference for you this year? Do you just feel like it is that, um, you know, that more athleticism or do you feel like it's confidence or you just feel like, um, you know, the opposite field approach of it? Do you just feel like it's a bit of that all combined? Or I definitely feel like it's all of that combined. Um, when I really do think about it, it really does make me feel like it's one thing more than the other. But at the end of the day, you got to take a step back and be like, okay, I did all this. Well, I know I'm the best prepared right now. So this plays a factor. You know, it's my stay middle gap to gap approach. 400 is what I always tell myself when I'm in the box. Okay, that's another factor right there. And then I'm, while I'm in the box, the only thing I say to myself is, you're the best hitter in the country. You're the best hitter. He's not going to get you out, blah, 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 blah. He's not better than you. And I, I sit there and I hype myself up. It's basically like listening to music before a game and you're ready to go out there and pancake somebody on the football field. It's the exact same thing except for in the batter's box and you're just ready to pancake a baseball instead. So I think it's a big factor for all of it. I think when you were on um, before the season, you said something like, you know, when you feel sexy, you, you play good. And um, you, you felt like that was really true. I guess, what does it feel like now in the box? Just, um, I guess when you're hitting, when you're hitting this well, what does, what is there a way to describe what that feels like? When you look good or no, when you feel good, when you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. And I just, I, I'm a firm believer in that. And, you know, if you look in the mirror and you can say, yeah, I look good today. Or you can, or if you don't feel like you look good today, you can make a joke about it, laugh and go, ah, yeah, I feel good or I play good. Or I don't know, just something along the lines of that. Just trying to stay positive and make yourself believe in yourself. All right. Appreciate Matt. Uh, joining us, Nelly has been so much fun to watch this year. I can't even put into words um, what this has been. It started as like, ah, this guy's pretty good, right? Like he's definitely improved. Uh, he, he's solid. Oh, he's very good. And now it's like, oh my gosh, he's a man amongst boys. Um, Matt Nelson's having a season that's going to rank up there uh, all time at Florida State. Um, so the home runs are there now, 19 after another one against uh, Stetson. How many games in a row has he homered? Four. My goodness. Got eight in the last 10 games. Yeah, that's big time. Seven of the last ACC games. And then, Brett, defensively, you asked him just how much pride he takes in it. Um, Matt Nelson is, is turning into a guy who, who shuts the run game down, and he is, a, he is a baller back there. And he has battled so many injuries. He continues to battle that thumb that's been sore all season and has, has been all over the place for him. Um, he represents, I think, Florida State baseball about as well as anyone in the last decade. Yeah, I mean, I wrote an article on it yesterday. Um, you know, Matt's the best catcher in the country right now. Um, I do think Henry Davis is very good. I think Henry Davis is the only catcher in the country that can, um, you know, sort of line up with him numbers-wise. But I just think the impact, the dominance that Nelson's having, there's no way to measure it right now um, in this current year. There's nobody doing the same thing as him. Um, you know, kind of after writing the article, I went, well, is this the best player in the country? Is this the best position player in the country? There's a real argument for that, too. Um, but, you know, just comparing catchers and how they stack up. You know, Nelly's like first in four of 11 categories going into yesterday and was like second in a couple other, top four in like nine of 11. Um, I mean, he's throwing out 48% of runners now. Um, you know, was like 20% coming into the year. Has completely revamped himself as, as an athlete. Um, you know, he's earned the, what he's gotten so far this year. Um, you know, Homer's in the very first inning yesterday, dead central. 
Um, cleared the center field wall by a good bit, too, it seemed like. Um, you know, I know a lot of people get disturbed when you compare people to Posey. I'm not really comparing the numbers um, when talking about these two. Nelly's not going to hit 463. But this is a Posey-like dominance, in my opinion. Like, there's not, there's not very many ways to measure what Nelson is doing. He's already broken the FSU new bat era record for homers in a season, and that was in the 33 game of the season. Um, you know, set the second most, I mean, second quickest to 18 by a Florida State player. Um, you know, before last night, he was on pace. You know, in Posey's big year, 67-game season, he homered six, uh, 26 times and had drove in 93 runs, um, you know, with those trampoline bats. I mean, not, not taking anything away from Posey, but just to compare him to Nelson, in a 67-game season this year, Nelson, going into last night before he hit his 18th homer, would have been on pace to homer 37 times and driving 108 runs. So the, the dominance level, it's, it's there. It's up. It's with Posey. I mean, he's been dominant on both sides of the ball. He deserves to win um, you know, the Buster Posey Award, in my opinion. Um, should be a first-team All-ACC player. Um, yeah, he's just simply put, he's the best catcher in baseball right now. Word, baseball. facts, ditto, all of that. I, I agree with you. So I could I could go on a love fest. You know I could you know I could go on a tangent here about Matt Nelson. He's, so uh, for the sake of time, I will save that for a different podcast. He is fantastic. We will get I think eventually into that uh, comparison between him and Posey further. You already did it in your article, but I do want to do it on this podcast. Maybe the next episode um, because I think he's going to have a monster weekend against Troy. Um, and that gives us a good segue to talk about Troy. Um, Matt Nelson's amazing. We're going to talk about Matt Nelson probably every episode for the rest of time. <laughs> so don't worry. Uh, but Troy uh, is a program that's 20 and 19. So we'll preview that right here. Um, like I said, 2019 on the year, they are seven and eight. They are in the Sun Belt. And if you're wondering what conference that is, um, here's some teams that might trigger your memory. Coastal Carolina is in the Sun Belt. Um, Georgia Southern is in the Sun Belt. That's a team that beat Florida State one year in a regional. South Alabama has been in Tallahassee as the champions of the Sun Belt for some NCAA regionals. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette, now known as just Louisiana, coached by Matt Deggs, former Sam Houston State coach. Um, that's a program that I think many baseball fans are familiar with. Um, Texas State, who's been pretty good for, for a number of years, um, and App State, who's been pretty good um, at times. Uh, this season, South Alabama's kind of running away with um, the East Division, Arkansas Little Rock. Uh, they just go by Little Rock. Um, they're, they're strong in the West. This is a Troy team that was projected to be a middle-of-the-pack uh, Sun Belt program this year, and they're right about middle-of-the-pack. I think that's legitimately they've, you know, this, the preseason projections have nailed it so far. Um, it's a good team, though. It's a team that conference plays baseball, right? So you, when I look at, like, these non-conference teams – I think, all right, is it a northern school? What kind of school is it? Like, what kind of roster makeup do these programs have? At Troy, these kids play year-round. I mean, you're from Alabama, from Florida, and from Georgia. Um, they're going to have a kid starting on uh, Friday night, a freshman who's from uh, Cairo, uh, played for the uh, Syrup Makers at, at Cairo High School. So um, he'll have a lot of family in town. Um, and uh, I want to say his name. He's got a cool name. It's uh, Gainus, maybe? Sounds right. Gainus. Uh, Garrett. Is that his first name? Garrett Gainus. Garrett Gainus, yeah. Um, 
92 to 94 with the fastball, um, has bumped some 95s. He was, yeah, he was a really talented kid at Cairo. Just, uh, for those of you that are Tallahassee locals and, and, and follow that kind of thing, uh, in the, in the area. But, um, Detroit team guys, that's, that's going to come in. I think they'll be scrappy. They hit 276 as a team. They, they can pop it over the wall a little bit, 42 home runs. Um, Logan Cerny is one of their better draft prospects in that conference. He's got 13 home runs and 37 RBIs while hitting 317. Uh, Drew Frederick is their best overall for average hitter at 338, and he's also got 17 extra base hits. So um, it's a team that's going to come in, and they're going to fight you a little bit. And for a small program, their team ERA is 450, which that's not terrible. I mean, it's not complete trash. So, like, Florida State's not going to come in this weekend and just be able to show up and sweep Troy. You're going to have to play well. But I do think it's imperative, Brett, that the Knowles come away with three this weekend. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, this I'm, I think this team can hit a lot, the Troy team. I mean, you got seven of nine starters hitting 280-plus. Um, if Gaines is 92 at 94, like you said, obviously that's some stuff right there, and I would like to know how he got out of Cairo. Um, Cairo, trust I'm me, sorry. They, they they get upset if you say it I'm sorry. improperly. I, I learned the hard way, but um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be talent. I think on that team, um, there's going to be guys that can play. So, man, 92, 93, up to 94, quality slider and changeup, throwing 58 innings in 10 starts. Um, you know, three five seventy ERA, two twenty seven average against. Obviously, you're going to have a challenge on Friday. I think that's not going to be no just like Florida State's going to win like 15 nothing or something. And I don't think many of these games will be – or I don't know if any of these games will be like that. I think, you know, Troy will come in at this point of the season. And, I mean, everybody's in their midseason form at this point. So, um, you know, not great in the field. I think they have 964 fielding percentage. Um, you know, can hit some homers. Has 42 homers. Logan Cerny has 13 homers. He's hitting 317 too. Um, Drew Frederick's hitting almost 340 with seven homers. Um, so this team's obviously dangerous in the way that they could come in and kind of play a spoiler for Florida State. Um, but you know, Florida State, if they just play clean, I think you, you're looking at a good weekend. Um, like you said, Florida State needs their needs to get their second second sweep of the year right here. I think. I think Especially because you didn't sweep North Florida to start the year. I think you'll hit this weekend at some point. Um, maybe hit, you know, Florida State's starting to put runs on the board, and as, as you guys are all aware, uh, offense is streaky. So I think we're in a good, we're in a good uh, uptick, if you want to call it that, on, on, the, uh, on the graph of Florida State's offense. It's going up on the line chart. I think it continues this weekend. But on the mound, you need Parker to be Parker, you need Bryce to, to be efficient, and you need Connor to be Connor. Um, if you do that, I think you got a, a better than 50% chance at a sweep. But if you don't do that and you don't play good defense behind them, Troy is more than capable of coming in and winning one. If they win two, this is a disaster. Um, so Gaines will pitch Friday. I believe Saturday they've got another guy that's got decent stuff. His name is Orlando Ortiz. I want to say he's got like 60 strikeouts in 45 innings. So that says that, you know, he's got an ability to miss bats. Um, fastball, I believe, is up to 93, uh, 89 to 93, and can touch 94. Um, doesn't have great off-speed stuff, and his command has been a problem at times for him. Um, but uh, he also gets hit a ton. I mean, he's got a 580 uh, ERA this season. How do you have 60 Ks in 45 innings, and you have a 303 average against? To me, it's like... There is no in between, right? Like the ball, if it if it gets hit, and he's not walking a ton of guys either. Yeah, so he actually has improved his command. Eighteen walks in forty five innings. It's just he's given up seven home runs, eleven doubles, um, fifty six hits in forty five innings. I so this kid's name was Baywatcher. 
It's Bay Witcher. Bay Witcher. And uh, his stuff, I pulled up. It's only got 26 Ks and 48 innings. Yeah, it's a definite uh, pitch ability to pitch to contact guy. He's six foot five, so it comes from a different angle. Um, his fastball is only like 88, 89 um, at times. It's not much. Um, and it's he's more of that sinker baller guy coming from a six five, you know, frame, and he's got a slider and a changeup, but neither are special. They've, so they've got two pretty good closers. I mean, two pretty good relievers. It seems like Mason Kenny, one nine three ERA in eighteen innings, ninety two to ninety three, and then Marquez Oates is also, um, you know, two point two two ERA in twenty four innings. And after that, there's a big drop off to the rest of their bullpen. So. I think Florida State's going to have to get guys, starters out of the game early so they don't have to go straight into those guys. But, um, you know, other than that, it's, it's, it's a weekend that Florida State should hit. Yeah, the, the, the Kenny kid is a 92-93 with a fastball, and he does have a plus slider. So that, that tells you he does have that, that late-inning type of stuff. And, um, you know, the Oates kid has, has been really good for them as well. So um, those are the names that, that you need to probably keep an eye on this weekend. Um. They field okay, not great, 964. So they're not going to completely annihilate themselves in the field, I think, this weekend. Um, they're only 3-11 and 11 away from home, and they're 17-8 and eight at their home ballpark. Uh, I believe they have a smaller ballpark. It's a, it's a hitter-friendly ballpark. So Hauser is too. Um, so Troy will be right at home, I think. It'll be a ballpark that they're used to playing in. They've, they've been in Tallahassee a few times. And um, the Knowles just have to play well, Brett. You just got to do what you do, take three. You haven't really been able to sweep anyone outside of Miami all year. Um, take care of business. Anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? No, I'll just give you Florida State sweeps as my prediction. I'm going to go with a sweep as well. I like the way FSU's um, trending. And typically, just as, you know, for those of you that have watched FSU baseball for years, I know that's a, that's a good chunk of you, um, the month of May – usually Florida State starts to figure it out. I mean, it's usually a very good month. May, FSU really starts to um, – I'll say they, 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 they really start to boost your optimism. <laughs> and then uh, June happens, and, and usually it hurts. But, but May, May, the month of May has always been a lot of fun. Um, so I'll take a sweep as well. And Florida State could be 24-15 and 15 at the end of uh, this weekend. I think you're starting to look at – Something pretty impressive for FSU going forward and then some opportunities. Yeah, I mean, seating-wise, yeah. But I think, I believe before the weekend starts, or maybe it is right after the weekend ends, that NCAA makes their decisions on the regional host sites. Yeah, so keep an eye out on that. All right, folks, we will talk to you soon. I want to say game times again, 6 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock, if I am not mistaken. Um, all three games are at Hauser. And I know Brett will be covering all three of those. And um, as always, keep keep following his stuff. He's, he's doing great work over at, at Tomahawk Nation. And I uh, want to thank Matt Nelson for joining us on, on Sunday Golds. And we thank you for listening every single week. If you could, please um, find it in your heart to give us five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts and, and leave us a review. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Email us, tweet at us. If you got questions, go ahead and ask them. We'll try and do some more mailbag type of things. Um, if you got comments or concerns, let us know. And uh, we will continue to talk some Florida State baseball with you next week. And we appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you soon.